0: Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
1: Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance, ready to roll on this day. We are T-minus three days and counting to the NBA draft. Will superstars be sent one place or another? Plus, we got baseball numbers that may fall for the first time in generations, and most significantly, there was a photo yesterday that caught my attention. All that and a whole lot more. Let's do it. Here we go.
0: Only one place to start. And
1: my one place to start is with my buddy, Alan Hahn, because he gave me the best idea I've got today. And I want to give him credit. This is how giving I can be as a talk show host here, Hahn. You're going to come on the radio a few hours after me, Mm -hmm. and you're going to run this question all morning long. Absolutely. And the thing is, it was your idea, but I come on before you do (laughs) So I'm going to get to do it first. So I wanted to fully and in your presence give you credit. The idea that is going to carry this show today actually came from Alan. So you're going to steal
2: my idea, but steal it from me with me knowing instead of behind my back. Well, that's
1: the. Is it really stealing if I give you credit for? I guess it is stealing. Like if you've got twenty dollars sitting on the on the on the table in front of you. If I just take it away when you're not looking. Right. If I that, earn that 20
2: stealing. and somebody left it for me and you like, wow, you really worked hard for this and then took it. Right.
1: That's like if I just stealing. take it from you and there's nothing you can do. But in our case, that wouldn't be the dynamic because you're much bigger than me. But let's just live in a world. <laughs> it's all good. Where I'm bigger than this you. is what we do in radio, though.
2: Yeah, this is what we do. We'll, yeah. we, we see ideas. We like them. We try them out. And what I'll do is perfect whatever
1: goes wrong on this show with it. So yesterday, I, I like that. So you will get to fine tune it. Exactly. So here's what happened. Yesterday, a picture went around on social media, kind of went viral, of Aaron Rodgers and someone working out. And I frame it that way because I really, I had to sit down and take some stock of myself (laughs) after this happened. My son shows me this picture, says, Dad, look, everyone is, this picture is going viral. And I looked at it and my first thought was, Wow, who's that with Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> now, of course, it's Kevin Durant with Aaron Rodgers. He's also wearing a
2: son's T-shirt. It does let you know exactly who it is. And he might be one of the most recognizable
1: yes. people in the world. And Aaron Rodgers looks small next to him, too, let's also. Aaron Rodgers looks like a child next <laughs> to him, right? And Aaron, I, if we wanted to do like a, a real funny juxtaposition, I could then put in a picture of me or one of those like size things like you might see at Disney World. Right. Like, I'm a good three inches shorter than Rodgers. Yeah. He's a big guy. Mm-hmm. He's not as big as you. What no. are you, 6'5"? Six, 6'6", six, six, yeah. 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. What's he, Rogers, about 6'3"? Yeah, something like that. Something like yeah. that. And 6'2", and, and maybe, Brandon is saying. And, and and Durant doesn't want you to know it, but he's seven feet tall. Mm-hmm. Durant is the only person in the world, the only person in basketball history who lies on the other side. He says he's 6'12". Right. He, he doesn't <laughs> want to be seven feet tall, but, but he 100% is. But anyway, the point of the story is that I'm so obsessed with Rogers that I didn't recognize a picture of Kevin Durant. That's my own cross to bear. Then Hahn brings up a really interesting question in the Get Up group chat, where he says, which one of these two guys has more pressure to win a championship? And the more I think about that, the more I believe it, it, the question is great. Like, the better the question gets, the more I think about it, because I think the comparisons between the two of them, the recent changes of scenery... Yeah. The circumstances of their choosing, the circumstances of their history, the circumstances of their departure from their previous place, the circumstances of their championships, the circumstances of their places in the history of their sport. I think it is a great question. And so I will put your question to you. Which one of them do you think needs a championship more? Well, the answer is is one that
2: I didn't give on get up because we were having fun with it. But the answer I'll give you, the honest answer I, I will give is Aaron Rodgers. Now, and I loved how you also, with all the things you just laid out, all the circumstances, the biggest circumstances that these are two guys that in their careers, throughout their careers, have both been great, like historically great players, statistically, and yet they've been overshadowed by two icons that played in the same generation. For Kevin Durant, it's always been LeBron James and a little bit of Steph Curry, but mostly LeBron James. And then for Aaron Rodgers, obviously, it's Tom Brady. So these two guys have been in any other generation, might have been the best players of their generation, but mm. because of when they came, they aren't. So that question continues about what can they do to get closer? Aaron Rodgers winning a Super Bowl in New York is like equates to what? At least two Super Bowls anywhere else, would yeah. you say? Uh-huh. Because of how long it's been, the magnitude of the market, the magnitude of winning somewhere where no one, no one seemed possibly to win. So there's so much on that. But it's also where he is age-wise, where he is in his career physically, and then also coming to a team that does feel like, like, the, like the Suns have a lot more work to do to build around the three now that they have there. But the Jets feel like a team that's young, that can be around for a couple of years, that has a defense that's in place, that can win a Super Bowl. And then you add him to what is a talented team. And it just feels like you're supposed to be the final piece. You're the reason why the Jets said, and Woody Johnson said, I'm going all in. Let's do it. So you bring in a guy like that, that's that final piece of the puzzle that has to bring you to the promised land, and it's something we've been
1: waiting to see Aaron Rodgers do for now over 10 years. So my answer is actually Durant. And really? I will tell you why. Not, not, because I'm not talking about who would gain more. I'm talking about literally who needs it more. The one thing no one questions is the validity of Rogers' one championship, right? He has a Super Bowl ring. No one questions its validity, right? They were the best team. He was the best player, Absolutely. and they won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Despite the protestation of our dear friend, Mr. Winhorst, mm. who gets testy when anyone brings up great word. the reality of, of KD's history, it is legitimate. The questions about it are legitimate, okay, because... The one thing that Kevin Durant did that cannot be disputed, was he the best player on those Warriors teams? Yes. Did he win the MVP of those finals? Yes. Yes. Would they have won the championship without him? I guess we'll never know. But the one thing he without question did was he couldn't beat him, so he joined him. Yes. Right? The old expression, if you can't beat him, join him. That's not what you're supposed to do. And he did it. He went to the team that he couldn't beat. He, He couldn't climb that mountain, so he jumped on a helicopter and had it take him to the top. And To the Hamptons, and it actually (laughs) began in the Hamptons where they have a lot of people doing exactly that. And and so the point I'm making is I think that the the questions about that are legitimate. They 100 percent are legitimate. And I think it would change things substantially for him to win another one, especially because upon his departure from Golden State, things have gone so badly. And I don't want to hear people say none of that is Durant's fault. At least
2: some of it is Durant's fault. His following Kyrie instead of being the guy who was the lead guy, go here, is what everybody blames him. But yeah. after that, once he lands in Brooklyn,
1: what did he do? He didn't do anything wrong. It's well, around him that went well, wrong. Okay, let's, let's, let, let's, let's consider that for a minute. Did you watch The Last Dance? Of course. I watched The Last Dance. Do you see the way Michael Jordan ran his team? You think players were putting? You think he was putting up with the nonsense, the stupidity, the lack of professionalism, all of the, 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 um, all the things that kept that team from achieving what it otherwise might have. You think that the great leaders put up with that stuff, or do they find a way to say that's not how we're going to do okay, things? That, uh, on well, my that's team. the
2: criticism that's always been Kevin Durant is that he's been a passive leader, that he just does his thing and you do your thing, and if you aren't doing your thing, that's your business, not mine. He's always been like that. He's never been a guy that's gotten in anybody's face and told them, you know, let's go, you know, tie up your laces and follow me.
1: He's never been that guy. If winning... This is going to be a weird thing to say. But if winning doesn't drive you in ways that are are bordering on unhealthy, you're not going to be on that little Rushmore. You're just not going to. Like, the great ones all have that. Yes. And Rodgers has that. So, look... Rodgers has been close. I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but I mean, if they could have covered an onside kick, he would have been in one more Super Bowl. And there were a few other circumstances that he got beat in crazy games and crazy circumstances. But whatever. No one's saying no. But the reality is Durant, there's something missing. And there's there's something on the there's something missing from the resume. You can you can classify it however you want. Rogers is not missing anything from his resume. Rogers has a championship. He has all the numbers. He's one of the greatest players of all time. Now he can climb. Winning another championship would help him climb. But I think if Durant retires without ever winning another championship, there will be people who will, to at least with some degree of legitimacy, question everything he ever won in his re- legitimately won in his it life. It is
2: such a compelling debate, right? Like it really is because are they both going to the Hall of Fame? Yes. Right? Like, it's already done. Like, they both have won a championship, and Kevin Durant has won two. And they've both been a main reason why, and they won the championship. So, it's not a coattail riding kind of thing. So, now it becomes now circumstance for their careers. Legacy, I guess, is what we're talking about. For Aaron Rodgers, I don't know. Like, I feel like a championship in this city is similar to, and I know it's not a major thing, but trust me, and I know you know this because you were here is when Mark Messier came here as an mm-hmm. NHL, as a hockey, he's a hockey legend. Yeah. He won cups, three of them, in, um, in, in Edmonton. Four of them, I should say, in Edmonton. Nobody knew. No, whatever. Like, you don't pay attention to that. Like, he won four. Okay, great. But when he won one in New York, he became, the legend status that he became, not just in New York, just every, in the sport everywhere, it literally changed his life. You ask him, he'll tell you how much it's changed his life. You look at Walt Clyde Frazier today. With two championships in the early seventies, he is still he's a living legend. He, he's a walking icon everywhere he goes. I've been with him all around the NBA with MSG, and I see how people treat him, and it's all for something that he did fifty years ago. Yeah, but it still it stays with him because it happened here. That's what I think about Aaron Rodgers is that that Super Bowl, because it's the NFL, it's the biggest thing happening in the world, would just it would just I mean exponentially raise his image, and everything else in the sport to a level that I don't even think Kevin, would, Kevin Durant would get to winning one championship, let's say, after Golden State. But it does lead me to something else that Bart Scott and I talked about on our show yesterday. Bart had me, I, I, he frustrated me yesterday with some of the stuff he was saying. But this one was compelling because he believes that Kevin Durant is in the top 10 all-time NBA players. And I always make the list and say, who are you taking out? That's a Don LaGreca line. Who are you taking out? And he was taking out Larry Bird which I fought him on. Now, if Kevin Durant wins maybe another championship, that's as many as Larry Bird has. Now, can you make the argument, two great shooters, there's a lot of things you could put together with that? I would still say no, but Kevin Durant winning one more title might make it impossible to say he's not a top 10 all-time player. If you, are, if you aren't saying it yet, which I'm not saying it.
1: Who's, who, who are you putting higher on the all-time list right now, Kevin Durant or Steph Curry? Steph Curry. So is already Steph in the Steph Curry top 10? changed the game, yeah. Oh, yeah. So he's already in the top. Oh, yeah, 10. he's in mine. So yeah. who came out for him? I don't remember. I but, made this my, list recently. But, but I guess that's what I'm saying. These things are so difficult to do because these lists get put in cement. <laughs> Right, like in my head, they get put in cement. Yeah, LeBron clearly has broken through that. Oh yeah, Curry and Durant are the ones to me that are.
2: You're still hesitant on Steph Curry. He has literally being changed a the way. Top ten
1: all time player. He
2: has literally changed the way they play basketball.
1: No, I know that, but that isn't necessarily the criteria. Well, he's also being got several great championships great and no, an no. MVP. And, I, I, I'm with you. Yeah, I, I'm not trying to knock Curry. Yeah, but I'm saying if I'm putting together a list of the all time great players, well, the first uh, five are easy. So it's Michael Jordan, Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain. I wouldn't put Will in the top five. But Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Yeah, oh, for sure. LeBron James. Sure. Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson. Yeah, there you go. That, that's your group. Yeah. That, that's the unquestionable that's ones? That's the five, yeah, for Where's sure. Where's Oscar Robertson going? He's not days? there. He's not. No. No, he's
2: not there. But, if, you know, you, if you go beyond it, again, I have Larry Bird there as well. You have Shaq in there as well. Kobe he was Bryant. A dominant player. Yes, Kobe Tim Bryant, Bryant Duncan. as well. Again, that's, that, that's one I think is a fringe. You can debate it. See, the more recent guys, it's harder because, as you said, who are you pushing out of there? But that, that, that's where I think if Kevin Durant wins another title outside of Golden State, I think he starts to move into that elite company of
1: because of everything else he's done in his career. And here's what I will say to finish up the conversation and, and bring it full circle. LeBron James got there by winning the championship in Cleveland. Yes. That title is worth more than the two he won in Miami combined. You are 100% correct. And that's what Durant needs. Yes. Rodgers doesn't need that. He has one. Would it elevate him? Of course, but he's got one. I I think Durant needs one to elevate him. I got to run with this. Yeah, Thank sure. you the best. We'll hear you on the all radio right. later today. Outstanding day as always. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility, great pay and benefits. Go to progressive.com/careers and apply online today. Coming up next, one play with all the potential in the world that I would be willing to give up on right this minute. Next. Get and we can <laughs> This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. <laughs>
0: Greeny. the podcast. All
1: right, the only member of the hashtag crew that is with me today is hashtag Cam, because I, Bubba has a few days off. And what were you telling me, Cam, that Bubba is planning on doing here?
3: Yeah, he's going to Grateful Dead, uh, I guess Dead and Company, uh, tomorrow and Thursday at City Field. So I think he's going to both, I'm pretty sure. So yeah, big couple days for Bubs in the city.
1: I've heard a lot about this. The pe- pe- a lot of people I know are deadheads and they go, see, I don't really even know exactly what these shows are, but you put... So Cam, every day, will put some stuff into the Google Doc for me to consider, and I like this one. One of the questions that you put in there was, what's the best concert you've ever been to? What is your, for you, Cam, what's the best concert that you've ever been to
3: yeah it's the most recent concert and the first concert so the first concert i ever went to you'll be happy to hear was paul mccartney which was amazing that was in dc Mm -hmm. uh back i think in like 2013 or 14 and then last october i went to see the killers at td garden who i'd wanted to see for really a long time and that was awesome so the most recent and the longest ago are probably my two favorite ones
1: did i ever tell you my killer story Are you aware of the killer story? No, but I love to hear it. Oh, gather around. I will tell you a quick story about the killers. So the first time, I wish I could remember the date. I should have the date when I do this. So the first time that Mike and I went on Letterman, and I tell stories about that day all the time, because it's one of the most important days in my life and certainly in the history of our show and everything else. It changed so many things for us. But Letterman would have us on, and there would always be an A guest, a B guest, and a musical act. That 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 is generally was the makeup of Letterman. So the 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 A guest would come out and do two segments, then we would come out and do one segment, and then the musical guest would come out and do a song, and that was the show. So that the first time we were on the David Letterman show, the A guest was Adam Sandler, which was great for us because he he is friendly and sports centric. And knew us, and we had met him before, so that put us in a very comfortable state of mind. The musical guest was the Killers, and their dressing room was right next to ours. So Letterman was in the old, not the old; it is the new, the refurbished Ed Sullivan Theater, which is where uh, Stephen Colbert does his show from now. But our our dressing rooms would be upstairs. You have to take an elevator to go downstairs. The A guest would have their own floor like they had a dressing room. So Adam Sandler in that case or any of the others we were on with J-Lo or um, over the course of time, Zac Efron, um, Tina Fey, the the different like super famous people that we were on with. They would have like their own area. So we couldn't go bother them if we wanted to. But then they would always then there were a floor that had two dressing rooms for the for the and generally one of them would be the band and the other one would be us and so the killers were in a room right next door to us and my my recollection of them was that the door was closed the entire time and then when they came out to go do their rehearsal they emerged from a cloud of smoke at so significant in that room cam that one would have thought That they had started a bonfire in their dressing room. It was a cloud of smoke, the likes of which you've never seen your entire life. And then they made their way down to the stage and they rehearsed. They did the song "When We Were Young" or "When You Were Young." Great song. Yeah, they probably played it eight times in a row from start to finish because they were, you know, they were rehearsing. And uh, and we just sat there and watched and listened to them and all of that. And so so the killers, you know, I always say that we were friends with them, although we never spoke a word to them. We just watched watched them emerge from a cloud of smoke and then watched them rehearse their song a bunch of times. So so that's 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 a good one. The best concert. I, the, the, you have to break it up into two different categories for me. So, I think la- I told you that last year, Stacey and I went to Hyde Park in London and saw the Rolling Stones. My wife's yes. favorite band in the world is the Rolling Stones. I've told you she wanted to name our son Mick when he was born. Um, that's how much she loves Mick Jagger. Did I ever tell you that story, Cam? No, but now you want to rename him Aaron. Yeah, he should be Aaron. I wanted to name him Chad because Chad Pennington at that time was the quarterback of the Jets. I'm
3: glad that you went with Stevie instead. (laughs) Well, she
1: wanted to name him Mick, and I said, you have to appreciate that in a vacuum, Mick is a perfectly good name. But my name is Mike, and so like, do you want to be that family? Like, hi, I'm Mike, and this is my son Mick. Like her name is Stacy. If we had named our daughter Tracy, we could have been, hi, we're Mike and Mick and Stacy and Tracy. Don't you hate us? We're the worst family in the entire world. Who doesn't hate that family? So we couldn't name her Mick, uh, name him Mick. Anyway, the point of the story is there was something about that, something about seeing them there that I would say was unbelievable. Then there were the emotional ones, seeing my heroes, Paul Simon, Paul McCartney, even to an extent, Billy Joel, like those are put in their own category. But if I had to actually pick the best concert I ever saw, you ready for this? It was at the Nassau Coliseum. The summer between my sophomore and junior year of college, I saw Pink Floyd. And let me tell you, if you never saw Pink Floyd in concert, you missed out. Do you even know who Pink Floyd was cam or i I do the wall great album correct and 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 that was one of the many albums that pink floyd had so i was too young to go see the, the the wall tour but by the time i saw them this was several years later and one of the main people from the band roger waters wasn't even with them anymore but the concert remained unbelievable so that would be the number one concert i ever went to was pink floyd back in the day okay Interesting stuff there. So I just thought we would share that. That's where Bubba is, and this is where we are. Now I got to get to business. I'm sorry. What? 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 I'm sorry. What? What? I'm sorry. What?
0: I'm sorry. What?
1: I've been sitting on this one. Lewis Riddick said it the other day, and he said it perfectly. Zion Williamson is very much in the middle of the news. We had a little belated Father's Day dinner last night with. Um, not just Stace and the kids and me, but my mom came and my nephew came. We had a lovely night because I I, I pushed, I postponed uh, Father's Day dinner from Sunday to Monday because I wanted to watch the U.S. Open. So we all went out for dinner last night for Father's Day. And I can tell you that the boys, you know, my, my son and my nephew, who are both in their 20s, are consumed with this latest social media business involving Zion Williamson. Now, I'm not going any farther than just saying those words, if you know what they are, you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, you're welcome to look it up if you so choose. But that to me has nothing to do with this. But it did get me thinking about him. And it reminded me of something Lewis Riddick said last week. We were doing a topic on Zion Williamson and John Morant, these two young superstars, gifted beyond belief, who went one and two in the draft a few years ago and went to these small market teams. One in New Orleans, one in Memphis. Teams without any really appreciable history. They're not the Celtics or the Lakers or the Bulls or any of these teams that have long standing histories. They have a history, both of them have histories that are waiting to be written, waiting to be created. And for fully understandable reasons, both were hoping that these young men would be the ones to grab the pen and write those histories. Now, in a minute, I'll talk about why. That was such a bad idea to begin with in retrospect. But when we were juxtaposing the two, we were thinking the difference in the problems between them are significant, which is John Morant has, what's the word I'm looking for, judgment issues. He's done some really, really, he's done some very, very questionable things. He's done things that that I think most normal people would suggest are a terrible idea. And... You can attribute that however you wish. Zion has a different set of issues, and many of them surround motivation. Like, does he does he want to be great as badly as you need to want that in order to become what he could eventually become? And I asked Lewis Riddick about it. And you couldn't give a better answer. I asked Lewis about the juxtaposition between those two. And this is what he said.
2: Basketball character means this. Does he love the game? Does he want to commit to the game? Does he want to commit to his nutrition? Does he want to commit to taking his his game to the next level? Does he want to set an example for everyone else, despite the fact that he has the security, he has the money? Does he want to be that forward-facing individual that puts the organization on his back and accept that responsibility? Well, to me, it sounds like the answer is no, 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 and no. So those kind of guys, when you juxtapose them with guys who have Personal character issues, meaning they're hanging around the wrong people, making bad decisions off off the field, off the court, you know, maybe just being young and immature and dumb. I will give the benefit of the doubt to the guys who have personal character issues, who you can work with as far as their maturity, much more so than I will tolerate or I can tolerate guys
1: who just don't care. So that to me is a res- absolutely great way of looking at this from the voice of a team builder of a team executive a person who has in the past and probably will someday again be making decisions like this because certainly i'm not comparing zion williamson perhaps not being in the optimal physical shape to john morant and the whole business with guns one is obviously far worse than the other But that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is which one of those two guys do you think can still overcome that problem and become an all-time great player? And what he's saying is, I have more confidence that we can get Ja to figure it out than I have that we can get Zion to want it. And Cam, I'll tell you one of my favorite Vince Lombardi stories. I can't vouch for the truth of this, but this is a story I've heard told a million times about Lombardi. And I think it actually sums this up as well as it can be summed up. Lombardi's first day coaching the Green Bay Packers, he walks into the locker room. He observes the men he will be coaching. They're all sitting in front of their lockers. They're waiting to hear from this coach. And Vince Lombardi says, gentlemen, every one of you that wants to win the championship this year, please stand up. Everyone in the room stands up. And then there's a Pause. And then Lombardi says, now, every one of you who is willing to sacrifice what it is going to require to be sacrificed in order to win that championship, remain standing. And the point is, everyone wants to win. Does Zion want to be great? Sure he does. But everyone wants to be. The question is, are you willing to? to do what it requires. And in order to be what he could be, particularly because of just the realities of the way he is built, physically built, it is going to require an obsession. Michael Jordan was obsessed with greatness. Kobe Bryant was obsessed with greatness. Those are the two recent examples that everyone points to, but they're most certainly not alone. You don't get to be that without being obsessed with greatness, almost to a level that it's unhealthy. It's probably unhealthy in other ways in your life. It probably negatively impacts other relationships in your life because you are so obsessed with greatness. And if Zion doesn't have that, it isn't a criticism of his character. It doesn't make him a bad person, but it probably means he's never going to be. What all of us can see, he might be. And that's where I think they are. And if, if, if I'm closer to the situation, if I'm someone who works there, then I know that better than I have the ability to know it right now. I'm sitting here a thousand miles away or whatever it is. I can't tell you this with any degree of certainty, but that is most certainly the way it looks from where I'm sitting. And if that's the way I think it is, then I'm going to make him someone else's problem. And here's another reason why. Because the traditional means of motivation in sports, and I guess in everything, is money. If you're not going to be individually motivated, if you're not self-motivated, if you aren't obsessed with greatness, then maybe you're willing to do anything and everything it takes in order to try and get $200 million. But they just gave it to him anyway. He's got it and it's not going away. So you don't even have that motivational element to count on, to fall back on. So I'm telling you right now, if that's my decision, I'm trying to find a way to get out from under this problem today, between now and Thursday. And I'm telling you right now, if you're one of these Nick fans that I'm hearing from all over the place saying, go get Zion, go get Zion, go get Zion. The garden will change him. New York will change him. The pressure will change him. The desire will be different. Mm. I'd be real careful about assuming that. That's what I think. We'll hear what you think of it as we continue. Coming up next, a decision I made, I made, that I feel was the least controversial of my lifetime. We'll see what you think. We have plenty of time for phone calls today, too. Stick around. I'm Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio, coming to you live from the Seaport District, Pier 17. We're brought to you by Chase. Hashtag Cam is with me today. And he put something in the Google Doc that I'm not 100% sure belongs in there. And that's why I wrote that tease that way when I said a decision I made that I feel was the least controversial of my life. You wrote in here that I canceled Father's Day dinner to watch the U.S. Open. I would, I would uh, change that a little bit. I postponed Father's Day dinner from Sunday night to Monday night in order to watch the U.S. Open, something I've never had to do before. You say, well, why don't you do that every year? Well, it's very simple because every year the U.S. Open isn't being played in prime time. It ended at 10 o'clock my time, p.m., so there was no going out to dinner after that. And the leaders teed off at 5.30, so we weren't going before that. So on a normal U.S. Open, where the action will end at like 6.30 p.m., we will then usually go out for dinner. But I did not think there was anything even remotely controversial or unusual about that. In fact, I'm going to guess that a ridiculous—I'm not sure what percentage—what percentage of dads, Cam, do you think did what I did, which was say— Whether you postponed it to Monday or not, you may not have the luxury of doing that based upon everyone's schedule and everything else. Right. But how many, what percentage of dads in America do you think said, you know what, let's not go out tonight for Father's Day, I want to watch the golf?
3: It depends how many fathers in America are fans of golf, but of that subsection, I would say, like, 85% 85% of dads who are golf fans probably were like, you know, maybe we'll 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 eat in and
1: and watch the golf while we eat a nice home cooked meal or something like that. I'll take it a step farther. I don't know a dad who went out for dinner any night last week. Right. <laughs> we all stayed home and watched the golf. Thursday night, awesome. Friday night, awesome. Saturday night, awesome. Sunday night, awesome. That was an epic US Open, by the way. Epic. The play was spectacular. The drama was spectacular. The golf course was spectacular. I know people were complaining about a little bit, a little bit about the lack of atmosphere. There just weren't that many fans and they weren't that loud. And I suppose that's fair. But of all the things that I noticed, that was the least important. The holes are magnificent. I've never played that golf course. I'd love to. Um, I thought the holes were outstanding. They created great drama. The play was spectacular. I was rooting for Ricky like crazy. Then when he fell out, I was rooting for Rory like crazy. But in the end, I was actually happy for Wyndham Clark because he deserved it. The right guy won. He played the best. That dude was rock solid, Cam. That that the guts, the stones, the onions—whatever term you want put, to put—to get up and down under that pressure with practically nothing on his resume. I know he won the Memorial a couple of weeks ago, but generally speaking, he's in there with with you know comparatively legendary names, particularly uh, Rory McIlroy, who he knows is in the group in front of him, and he is getting up and down from everywhere everywhere. That was a gutsy, magnificent performance. And so I will say that while I I will not pretend I was rooting for Wyndham Clark, in the end, I found myself very happy that he won because he richly deserved it. Now, Cam, what is it you were trying to say about Wyndham Clark and in particular his name? This might be off base, but it just sounds like he's either named
3: after or he will one day, if he becomes a golf legend, will have a golf course named after him. Like you can just hear Jim Nance being like, Welcome to Wyndham Clark Greens here in Augusta or, you know, wherever. It the, wouldn't be in Augusta, wherever, but yes, yeah, I understand your point. Wherever it would be. But I, it's just like such a regal name. It just sounds like he's already named like a after. Does it, a sound like at a club. Yeah, it sound like a golf course or does it sound like a hotel? Yeah, that's Doesn't it sound
1: like a place? Where are you guys? Oh, we're staying at the Wyndham Clark. Something high end. It's, yeah.
3: it's very well known and very prestigious. I went to the is.
1: Bahamas last year. We always stayed at the Wyndham Clark for yeah. three nights, and it was delightful. I agree. He has it, Wyndham is just an—what do you shorten that to? Windy. Like, do, we, do, we already do, have
3: our own Windy, but— do, uh, do we think
1: his buddies call him Windy? You know, he grew up with Christian McCaffrey. Did you know that?
3: I, I did, yes. Yeah. I, I looked him up on, on Google the other day and saw that. But yeah, I, I can't imagine no one has called him Windy, but you know, we got our own Windy here. So. One way or another. Yeah, yeah. He's,
1: he's Wyndham Clark. So good job for him. Okay, so I enjoyed that. And again, I think that was a fully non-controversial decision. I think it was one that pretty much everybody made. Meanwhile, I have another I'm sorry what?
0: I'm sorry what? I'm what, sorry what, what? I'm sorry what? I'm sorry
1: what? It's another one I've been sitting on. Kendrick Perkins was on "Get Up with Me" last week, and he was talking about Nikola Jokic being the best player in the world and winning the championship, and Victor Wimbanyama being the player everyone is all excited to see in the draft, and 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 the prolifer all of the great foreign players right now, foreign-born players, Joel Embiid and uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Luka Doncic, and uh, you could say that. Many of the best players in the world right now were not born in the United States and Big Perk had this message. We're
0: talking about Zion Williamson and we're talking about Ja Morant. Both guys have had distractions outside of basketball. I want y'all to think about where the league is going and where it's trending right now. When you look at international players, when you look at the last five people that didn't MVPs, Giannis, Jokic, and MB. When you think about can't we trust these guys and hand them the keys to the court? Well, Jokic is not causing any problems off the court. Giannis is not causing you any problems off the court. We don't hear nothing about Joel Embiid off the court. And then all of a sudden, we see Victor wimba who's about to come over from France and be the number one pick, who's one of one. I'm pretty sure he's going to come into the league, and we're not going to have problems with him off the court. So if I'm the American players. Right now, I need to be getting my act together on both inside the lines and outside the lines.
1: That was really interesting to me. And that's fine. Take it at face value. That's sort of a a cautionary word that Perk is putting out there about behavior and, and all that kind of stuff. Let's put that aside. Not that it isn't interesting, but let's not talk about that for a minute. Let's talk about the globalization of the NBA. The most important team in sports history, or certainly among them, is the dream team that went to Barcelona in 1992. They forever changed the game. It was David Stern's vision. It was the the genius of Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson and Barkley and all the rest of them that grew the game all over the world in ways that otherwise might never have been possible. Basketball right now is clearly the second most popular team sport in the world behind soccer. And the question as a fan of the NBA is, is it or would it be or could it be a bad thing for too many of the NBA's best players not to be American? Could that become a bad thing? I'll give you my opinion, and I'm going to be interested to hear yours. I'm going to pause for a moment because I'm up against the hour here, but I will, we will talk about this at some length because I think it's an interesting study of where we are as a sports society right now. We'll have that conversation next. Thanks for
0: listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or. Watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also, catch Greenie on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN, and also available wherever you get your podcast.